raining on us, raining your presence on us today. Now, God, we pray that you would bless the preparation and the proclamation of this word. May it be used for your glorification, and may it bless your people, especially these students whom today we pay special tribute. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray, amen. I want to turn your attention to two passages of Scripture. The first one is Jeremiah 29 and 11. To our young people, we want to make sure that you get this one. This is God's words to you on this, your special day. God says, if I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not do you harm, plans to give you hope and a future. Encouraging words from our great, great God. And then Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wow, here we are. Seems as though we were just doing this for the class of 2017. And we're here today celebrating with the class of 2018. And what a great honor it is for your Good Hope family to celebrate with you. And I want you to know each one of you has been a great honor to serve as your pastor. And I feel touched in a lot of ways. One is that I was just sitting there thinking and remembering when the McKay's brought Brianna here. I mean, she was a little bitty, little bitty something, little bitty girl. And now she's talking about going to Florida A&M University. It's amazing. And little Javaris, I stayed taller than you. For as long as I could. <laughs> but something happened. Amen. And I can go down the list and talk about each one of you. Just so great. Just wonderful young people. We are just so blessed to have you here in the Good Hope family. And give our regards to Malaya as well, who since being accepted to college, she's been in Tampa doing things for the coach. And, and, but we miss her. Amen. Congratulations to class of 2018 for a job well done. It's important. Amen. And we were there at your graduations, and it was good to hear your principals say good things about you and other folk, but ain't nothing like the church being able to say good things about you. 
So smart I saw your smile out there. And Taylor was a little boy. I mean, I guess he's about 12 years old. He wanted to play the drums so bad. Where's Taylor there? He, he, he wanted to play so bad and looked like each time he looked like he was going to get a shot at it, somebody older came along. So finally just got to the point, I just said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Taylor's only about 12, I think, at the time. I say, he going to play. And boy, did he play until they moved away. Great, great, great members. You've worked hard and you've accomplished one of the greatest milestones in your life. You will now travel diverse paths making your various marks on society and the world. This is an exciting time. But for some, it's mixed in with excitement. It's perhaps a little apprehension, a little uncertainty, and even a little fear. So with this thought in mind, I want to share with you today just three things. There are a lot of things that I could tell you, share with you, but just three things that every graduate ought to know. And it's my hope and my prayer that these three things will help you move onward and upward, help you as you reach for your goals. And dads, while this is graduation Sunday, and when I say dads, I'm talking about granddads and uncles and youth leaders, all of us here. While this is you, Sunday, it is also Father's Day. It's your day, so listen carefully as this message also pertains to you. First, as graduates, you need to know that time passes, passes quickly, so don't waste it. I'm standing up here before you today, and I'm thinking about each of you, just little little bitty, little girls. I think uh, LaShante was about the oldest one when she came, but she's been here for a little while, so she's our baby too. But the time has gone by quickly, and now you are young women and young men. Time passes quickly. Your parents can attest to it. So don't waste it. Author Stephen B. Cloud illustrates this point well by writing, we see 12 months, 52 weeks, 365 days, 8,760 hours, 31,536 seconds. And all is a gift from God. We have done nothing. I mean, I mean, as holy and righteous as we've striven to be, uh, gone to Bible study and worship service and done good deeds and giving our arms to the poor and help putting a roof on the church over in Tatola and building a well uh, in Uganda in 2018 for $10,000. But the truth of the matter is we have done nothing to deserve the time. God has given us. We, we, we've done nothing to earn it, to purchase it. And like the very air we breathe, time comes to us as a part of life. 
The gift of time is not ours alone. It is given to each person, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, strong and weak. Every man, woman, and child has the same 24 hours every day of life. Another important thing about time is that you can't stop it. You can't stop it. There's no way even to slow it down. We can't turn it off. We we can't adjust it. Time marches on, and once it's gone, you cannot get it back. I remember that song. I think it was, was it Tyrone Davis? If I could turn back the hands. Was that Tyrone? Y'all, y'all ain't too shamed to say it, is it? I don't, I don't, ex, I don't, ex, I don't expect, I don't expect, <laughs> I don't expect the graduates to know that. But that older crowd, I, I expect y'all to know that. <laughs> Tyrone said, "Boy, if I could just turn back the hands of time, but we can't, we can't, we can't turn it back. Once time is gone, it's gone." Yesterday is gone forever. Tomorrow is uncertain. So obviously, Mr. Cloud concludes in his statement that time is one of our most precious commodities, a precious blessing we have from God. We can waste it or we can use it wisely to glorify God. I believe it was Chuck Swindoll who said uh, life is like a rare and, you know, precious coin. We can spend it any way we want to, but we can only spend it once. I want to I want to I want to borrow that and say that's how time is. If God has given to uh, given it to us. We can spend it any way we, we want to. We can waste it if we want to, but we can only spend it once. The writer of Ephesians 5, 15 and 16 says, Therefore, be careful. Get this, young people. Therefore, be careful. Be, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men or women, but as wise, making the most, get this, of your time because the days are evil. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. Now, to make the most of your time means to strike while the iron is hot. And I thought about that. I said, well, man, I, I better... I better, I better explain what that is. I'm going to break it down a little bit. But it, it comes from the days of the profession called the blacksmiths. Y'all may, y'all may remember that. Some of the old blacksmiths were typically men who, who made things out of iron, out of metal. And, and, and back in the days when folk rode horses, the blacksmiths were important because they made horseshoes. Now, some young folks say, what's a horseshoe? 
But the horseshoes were little metal shoes that were placed on the horse's foot. But what they did was they would, they would heat the metal. And that metal would get red hot. And when the metal was hot, they had to bend the metal into the shape of the horseshoe while it was hot. Because when that metal cooled off, you couldn't bend it. So that's what it means, young people. You To make the most of the time means that you got to strike while the iron is hot. It's hot right now. You know, folks are excited about what you're doing. It's red hot. So take advantage of every opportunity you have while you have it. My college professor, Dr. Latta Thomas, told us during freshman orientation, I believe it was, or even a class called Critical Thinking, he said, now y'all get prepared. He said, get prepared now. Your college days are days to prepare. You get prepared now. He said, because when opportunity knocks, you'll be ready to go. He said, don't wait until opportunity knocks and then go try to pack your bag. Be too late. So the pig and I just got back from South Carolina. I mean, we came on that train and that Amtrak, Deacon Matthews, don't play. I mean, if you if you ain't if you ain't on that train when that conductor gets on and close that door, you might as well start looking for alternative transportation. You got to have your stuff packed, chicken red, ready to go. In the movie, maybe some of y'all saw the movie. Dead Poet Society, Robin Williams played the part of an English professor at a prestigious all-boys school. In an effort to help his students grasp the importance of using their time wisely, Williams showed them a portrait of students who had graduated many years earlier. He took them to the, to the you know how most schools, when I was in school, they had this showcase and you had all these trophies and you had pictures of, of classes from earlier years, you know. Y'all, they were dressed funny. We like, you know, how did they go to school looking like that? You know, them classes like I used to see. I was class of 1974, and every year the class would come back, and they were like, class of 1956. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then I began to wonder what the younger people were saying about our class. When they hear class of 1974, they're like, man, that's ancient. But William, but Williams tried to teach them this object lesson, Y'all, so he took them to the, to the showcase, and he, he pointed these boys out to them, and, and he says, now, boys, these students were once young boys like you. They were vibrant. They were assertive. They were smart. But now they are all deceased. That's what he said. They're all gone. Every one of them, every one of them is now deceased. And then Williams drove home his point with the Latin term carpe diem, which means seize the day. Carpe diem, seize the day. He said, boys, seize the day. 
So class of 2018, God has blessed you richly. He's blessed you abundantly above and all you could ask or think. High school graduation and college graduation is a milestone in your lives. You are all young. You are all intelligent. And you are all vibrant. So seize the day. Seize the day. You have more opportunities now to continue your education, have great careers and impact your communities and the world than many of your parents, grandparents, and foreparents ever dream of having. So seize the day. In fact, while some of y'all were sleeping, I know for a fact your grandparents and your parents were working. So seize the day. Now footnote. Pay close attention to what I'm about to say. This is tough teaching. It's tight, but it's right. All right. I feel good, y'all, because I'm at the point now in my ministry at 61 years old. I don't shy back from telling it just like it is. Amen. And it's important. This is it's tight, but it's right. Young people, class of 2018, if you are serious about carpe diem, about seizing the day, about striking when the iron is hot and making the best of your opportunities. You cannot afford to waste time on or with non-productive people. It's tight, but it's right. You can't afford to waste time on non-productive people and non-productive practices. You just can't do it. So first, first, let me say a word about, about non-productive people. Non-productive people can be found in every walk of life. Every walk of life, you can find non-productive people. And don't worry about missing them, y'all. They will be easy to recognize. They'll be easy to recognize. Typically, they have no worthwhile goals, no valuable objectives, or sensible plans for the future. Can I just preach it like it is? Most of the time, their conversations will be trivial, be trite, and trifling. And, and, and the thing about it is they can wrap it in such elegance that if you are careful, you'll think they're really saying something when they're absolutely saying nothing. Talking loud, talking impressive, but saying absolutely nothing. Ain't done nothing, ain't been nowhere, ain't about doing nothing positive, ain't about going nowhere but talking a good 
good game. Yeah. Oh, you can recognize them. Most of the time, their conversation will be trite, trivial, and, tri- and, and uh, trifling. Now, get this. I'm telling you this because I've been there, and a lot of folk have been there. When in college, you can find them at parties, but seldom in the library <laughs> or at study hall. I'm, I'm just so I'm just so excited. I went up to Tallahassee, my wife and I, and we got some uh, uh, some graduates, some folks of our church up there, uh, the Armstrong girls, and uh, in a good church up there, and uh, 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 working on PhDs, and then Antonio Sullivan is up there, and uh, Bree Riles is up there. Bree was in church last week. Antonio was here a few weeks ago, and uh, and so Sister Pickett and I. Went there, took them out to lunch. And don't y'all get nervous because I didn't use the church credit card. I don't, I don't even have the church credit card. And when I go out, the finance committee will tell you, I pay my own way and I buy Sister Pickett's meals. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. I want to keep that straight, keep that stuff in perspective. So I bought, I bought their meals and they can eat. But bright students, bright students. And, and I sat there and, 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 and young Bree is in pharmacy school about to finish up. And, and she was just telling us about how limited her time was for a lot of social interaction and engagement. Because pharmacy school, PhD, those universities, the curriculum, it ain't no joke. You got to get with the program or you will find yourself back home. Out there working someplace. Yeah, it ain't, it ain't no joke up there. None of them schools. I mean, because they trying to keep their accreditation, and they ain't fixing to lose it over students that don't want to do what they need to do. You going to either measure up or you going to be gone. And so when in college you find the nonproductive Folks at parties, but sell them in the library and study hall. And, and, and when in the job market, you'll find them. You'll find them out there in the job market. You, you'll recognize them easily because they're going to be constantly criticizing, complaining, making excuses, blaming other people, taking shortcuts, and doing just enough to get by. But Lord have mercy, when it comes time for a bonus, they'll be standing up front in front of the line. Well, they could be easy to recognize. You ain't got to go looking for them. And when you drive behind them, when you drive behind them on the road, They will be the ones with the rude and crude stickers on the vehicles, in the windows, on the bumpers. And those stickers generally tell the sad, sad story of a person or people who see themselves as failures. 
You read some of that stuff on them bumpers. What they're telling you is that they are failures. They are insecure. They're mad. And they're blaming other people for their own lack of accomplishments. All right, one more. When you engage social media, they will be the ones, the non-productive folk will be the ones engulfed in garbage, drumming up drama, keeping up confusion, and stirring up strife. You ain't got to go, you ain't got to go long looking. Listen, don't even waste your time. Hint to the wise. To involve yourself with such people will slow down your progress and even hurt your opportunities to excel. Remember that. This is serious business. So as Christians, here's what you do. Young people, as Christians, here's what you do, because at Good Hope Church, we didn't try to create a group of spiritual elitists walking around with halos on, legalistic, acting as though they are better than everybody else. That's not what this is about. So, But here's what you do. You love them, and off time, from a distance. You pray for them. You respect them. You share Jesus with them and point them in the right direction if you can. But don't waste your time. I'm telling you. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy. Don't waste your effort. Don't waste your resources. Listen, don't waste that money that mom and daddy, aunts and uncles, and the church is giving you Buying hamburgers, hot dogs, buying movie tickets, buying gas for non-productive folks. Don't do it. Don't do it. If you got a car, don't have them all up in your car. Don't waste your time spinning your wheels trying to help people who don't want to be helped. I had to learn that the hard way. You know, you're not God and I'm not God. If people don't want your help, you're wasting your time. Amen. In the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus saw a man who had been unable to walk for 38 years. This man was lying there at the pool of Bethesda with other sick folk. And so when Jesus encountered the man, Jesus asked him one question. He said, do you want to be made well? The implication of Jesus' question was this. If you want me to help you, I will. (laughs) If you want me to help you with your homework, meet me at the library, not at your apartment, not at homeboy apartment. Meet me in the library if you want my help and come prepared. Bring your work. If you want my help, I'll help you. That's the implication of Jesus' question. 
But if not, you can remain right here at this well in your present condition. And I won't force you to change. Jesus said the choice is yours. So listen, you must not waste your time on non-productive people. But secondly, don't waste your time on non-productive practices. Non-productive practices equate to participating in activities or events that will defraud you, demean you, deceive you, defame you, derail you, damage you, and in some cases destroy you. And there's some stuff out there that you can get into and it will destroy you. Non-productive activities and events market themselves. They come camouflaged. They come dressed up as fun and games and freedom. Got all this freedom now. It's time to have fun. But in reality, they are nothing more, y'all, than dream killers. I've been around a lot of people that had their dreams killed. Non-productive activities are nothing but dream killers and deal breakers, deal-breaking bombs looking for somewhere to explode. Oh, I know I'm right about it. I know I'm right about it. Their mind feels like looking for some place to explode. Deal breaker. Dream killer. You got dreams. You know, you got big dreams. You've been dreaming. Your parents been pumping you up. Your teachers been pumping you up. Your youth leaders been pumping you up. Your church been pumping you up. Your pastoral staff been pumping you up. More importantly, God has been pumping you up. So watch out for the dream killers. Class of 2018, don't be fooled by the glamorization of illegal drug use. It's a dream killer. Don't be lured into the subtle, destructive world of alcohol consumption. Not even a little taste, not even on a social level. I don't care how good they tell you it is. It's nothing but a dream killer. Don't allow yourselves to be enticed by the momentary satisfaction, a premarital sex, and adultery. I don't care how Hollywood makes it look. It makes no difference what your friends say and how good they tell you it is and how much fun they're having. It may look good, ah, sound good, and feel good for a moment, but in reality, it's a dream killer. It's a deal-breaking bomb looking for somewhere to explode. Even folk in this house this morning, this afternoon, have had their dreams killed. And you know the thing about it is, 
Some of us heard the same sermon from our mothers, from our grandmothers, from our fathers and our grandfathers. Some here have had their dreams of going on and doing great things killed by non-productive activities that came camouflaged, dressed up in nice clothes and wrapped in a fine, fine, fine body, smelling good, swagging good, looking good. But dream killer. Yeah. Yeah. Young people don't allow, don't allow the bomb. Don't allow that bomb to explode in your life. I don't want to hear about that bomb exploding in your life. Some years ago, we established a Established the uh, gyms ministry, girls empowered and motivated to serve. And the reason why Sister Stevens and her group pour so much into that ministry is because they don't want to see your dreams kill. They don't want to see bombs exploding in your life. Listen, listen, listen. Stay away from pornography. Some, some, some years ago, not many years ago, I believe it was Dr. Stevens, I think Deacon Granger, Deacon Brown, and others of us went to, a, went to a conference, went to a meeting. Brother Riley, were you there? Yeah, Ken Riley was there. And Pastor Jay Dennis at the time from First Baptist Church over at the mall talked about the growing epidemic of pornography. And the sad statement was that pornography was growing even amongst preachers. Preachers watching it. I'm trying to tell you, it will destroy your life. It will destroy your family. It'll destroy your witness. It'll destroy your ministry. It'll, it'll blow up on you. Stay away from lying and stealing and cheating, dishonesty, honesty, or any other behavior that is not consistent with your faith. Walk as a Christian. Now, I can say this because they can't tell you this, you know, at graduation. And back Lord, you know, it's gotten to the point now, you know, folks scared to mention the name of Jesus. But if there's any place you ought to hear this word, it ought to be in your home and it ought to be at church. And I'm confident because my Bible tells me that God's word will not return to me void. So I'm putting it out there. I know it's going to work. It's going to accomplish what he's sent it for to accomplish. Now, will it be easy? No. Because I'm not standing here telling you that from an expert point of view, and it was easy, and Pastor never did anything wrong, or Sister Pig never did anything wrong. We're not telling you that. Your parents not going to tell you that. Your grandparents, if they tell you the truth, they ain't going to tell you that. But they're telling you because they don't want you to make the same mistakes. That's why when grandma grabs you by the face and looks you in the eye, that's why when grandmama is crying, that's why when granddad is trying to tell you, they may not go all up in their background and tell you how that bomb exploded in their life. You don't need to know. All you need to know is that what? Ah. 
details of the thing. All you need to know is that it will blow up. And I'm trying to tell you, it ain't no, it ain't a matter, it ain't a matter if. It's a matter when that junk is gonna blow up. Now, now it won't be easy, but whenever you're tempted to go there, you know, some smooth talker. You know, remember the words of Paul in Philippians 4.13. I gave these words to our children. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yes, sir, when you get there, when you get there, you just say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and then ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and to help you, and he will. Now, here's the father's fatherhood challenge. Dads, our challenge is to help our children at every age by modeling before them, teaching them, and encouraging them to value their time and to use it wisely. And remember, they are watching us. They are learning from us how we spend family time, worship time, working time, and leisure time. American fiction writer Clarence Kellett wrote of his father, and I quote, He didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. Fathers, let your children watch you do it. Model how to be a good user of your time. If you go sit there all day long and watch television on Saturday, you're sending the wrong message to them. Yeah. Second, as graduates, you need to know that God has a plan for your life. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are not here by accident coincidence, happenstance, or chance, you are here because in God's divine arrangement for the world, he has a special plan for your life. You are wired for God's plan, and don't let anybody tell you anything differently. Your spiritual DNA is geared towards God's plan. Your makeup, your personality, your gifts, your talents, and your abilities are all part of God's plans for you. Everything you're good at, God fixed it that way so that you can use it for his glory. Listen to the words of Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. But you know what? You have a part to play in God's plan for your life. You got a part to play. Your part is to be obedient to God. Your part is to remain faithfully committed to Jesus Christ. You've been raised up in Christ. I know you have. I know you have. I know your, I know your, your, your grandparents and your parents. I don't know your parents. If I don't know your parents, I know your grandparents. I know some of your parents. You've been raised up to live in Christ. You've been raised up in this church. To live in Christ. Everything we do, we try to make it Christocentric. Christ-centered. Christ-focused. 
You have heard, you've heard great preaching from your pastor staff, and you've heard great praying, such as this morning when Dr. Gloria Williams poured out her heart in conversation with God. You've heard that. You've heard, you've heard, you've heard, you've heard great preaching from your pastoral staff and, 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 and great praying. You, you have received great teaching from your Sunday school teachers and your youth group leaders. You've been guided through Jim's ministry and, and one-on-one mentoring. You, you've had the best. So like clay in the hand of the skillful potter, you do your part. Whether you go off to school Going to Jamaa, you do your part, and you stay in God's hands. There be a lot of things that come along, a lot of people that come along to try to lure you away, but you stay in God's hands. Allow God to shape you and make you and mold you into what he wants you to be. Now, to be sure, there will be competing voices shouting things in your ears, which are diametrically opposed to God's plans for your life but don't you be deceived because you know better you know the story of Jesus who suffered and bled and died on Calvary's cross to save you from your sins you know how he loved you enough to die for you you know how he was buried you know how he got up from the grave with all power in his hand so you know Jesus for yourself. So you stay with the plan. If you're leaving home after graduation, going to college, the military, join the workforce, find yourself a Bible-believing church to worship in on Sunday morning, to hear God's word and grow in God's word. 